Amen. Hello, Eastwood Baptist Church. Y'all look pretty good. Everybody doing okay? Glad to be here. Raise your thumb, say hello, say amen, holler, something or another. It's good to see you, good to be with each of you. Go ahead and find Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 in your Bible, if you would, please. I want to speak to you on the subject of the ministry of encouragement. How many of you all occasionally need some encouragement? Raise your hand if every now and then you just need somebody to say good job and thank you and keep up the good work. Everybody I know needs encouragement at some point in their life. Little boys and little girls need to be told that they're strong, they're able, they're capable, they can do it. Grown-ups need encouragement. I think grown men need lots of encouragement. Even women need encouragement. I was preaching somewhere a while back, and there was a lady who sang on the night before, and she made this statement. She said, thank God we don't look like what we've been through. Amen? Yeah. Well, we all need it. We all need encouragement. Preachers probably need more encouragement than than most people. I saw Brother Don Mathis in here somewhere, and he preaches all the time. He's been in this building probably more, or been with you all on line for worship more recently than any time in previous history before. But pastors always need encouragement, someone to say, good job, keep up the good work. Uh, but it doesn't always happen. I was preaching revival a while back at a church over uh, Salem Baptist, in fact, right on the Ohio River, and it was Sunday morning through Wednesday night, and there was a fellow there, Mr. Hargrove, he was up in, in his late 70s, probably, maybe past 80, and he was there every service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and he called me on Wednesday night at the end of the services, and I'm sure he meant to be encouraging, but here's what he said. He said, Brother Gray, he said, we didn't need much revival over here at Salem Baptist this week, and he said, you worked out just fine. Now, I'm sure he meant that as a compliment somewhere. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, there's a message about being an encourager. This was written, it's from God and it's for the people of God. It's for believers who came out of a Jewish background and they had experienced great difficulty because of their new relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They were experiencing some persecution and maybe family alienation and they needed a word of encouragement about their relationship with the Lord. But this word is to us as well because we live in challenging times. There are things happening in our day that we never would have imagined. We're experiencing an un, a, a national unrest like we haven't seen in decades. We've just gone through and are still going through a pandemic, hence the reason you never imagined you'd be wearing a mask to church on Sunday morning. Pastor friend of mine, Tommy Reed, was having fun with it. He said that he said I always dreamed as a kid of uh, wearing a mask and carrying a pistol. Now he's getting to do both when he goes out in public. It's just odd days, and if we're not careful, we can become discouraged. And if we're not careful, we can even be discouraging to other people. None of us want to do either one of those things. Hebrews ten twenty five speaks about a ministry of encouragement, and I want to show you the true encourager. If you're able to stand, would you please stand just for a moment and honor the reading of God's Word, and I'll read these two verses, and we'll look at them together. The Bible says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for Eastwood Baptist Church. Thank you for this gathering that's here, those who are joining us and worshiping with us online. Lord, thank you for the technology that allows us to reach out to lots of people and, and have a ministry far beyond this building. We praise you for that. In fact, we're even thankful that one of the outcomes of this pandemic quarantine has been that we realize there's a whole world out there that can have more access to the gospel than probably has ever happened before in the, in the history of the world. We pray that access would happen. 
happen and be acted upon. And we pray now for those who are gathering with us uh, in the building and those who are outside the building that you, we would just sense a movement of your Holy Spirit. Lord God, you would empower the preaching of the word. You'd also give grace in the hearing of it and in the responding to what you say to us. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to show you three traits of a true encourager, very simply, and I also hope very click, uh, quickly and very clearly. Here's the first one. Number one, a true encourager stirs up the right activity. Look at verse 24 once again. It says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. True encourager stirs something up, and what they stir up is the right thing. They stir up the right activity. Pastor Buddy Slaughter is pastor of Means Avenue Baptist Church in Hopkinsville. And Means Avenue was a church plant off Second Baptist years ago. In fact, one of your members in the earlier service was at Second Baptist when they started that church. The church has always kind of struggled. It's never really done very well. If Hopkinsville was big enough to have an inner city, then Means Avenue would be right in the center of that environment. When Pastor Buddy went there as their pastor, they only had six people in attendance. His family of five, when they joined, the church doubled in its size. They didn't have any ministry to the community where God had put them. They'd always struggled financially. In fact, when they had a, a building repaired, they would reach back out to Second Baptist, who would help with the finances of that. But things are different now. Uh, Ten years later or more, they don't have six people. They may have 150 people on Sunday morning for a service. They don't have zero ministries. They have multiple ministries sharing with the gospel of the folks in the place where God has put them. And financially, they're just like every church. Their members give and tithe and serve, and they take care of their needs. I visited Brother Buddy a while back, and he wanted to show me a video of one of the services. So he pulled out an iPad, and, and the music was finished. Offering collected, Pastor Slaughter was getting ready to preach, and that church started clapping for their pastor. And I said, buddy, I've not seen this before. I said, was this a special day? He said, no. He pulled up another service, and music was finished, and the, the, the offering was collected, and Pastor Slaughter approached the podium, and they started clapping for their pastor. Now, they weren't giving him some kind of a rock star treatment. They were trying to stir him up. They were trying to say, come on, brother buddy, we need the word this morning. Our lives are difficult. We're facing some challenges. We have hard times. We need to hear a word from God this morning. And they encouraged their pastor. Well, I preached there one time. They started clapping while I was preaching. I preached for a solid hour and 15 minutes. Don't y'all start that clapping this morning. We'll be here all day long. Listen, a true encourager stirs things up where he or she goes, and the things they stir up, they stir up the right things. Notice this business of stirring up. Number one, it's a personal business. He says, let us. The us here are the most equipped people in the world to make the right kind of difference in the world because the us are born-again followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The spirit of the living God lives inside of us, and we're able to make a positive difference. It's personal. It's also practical. He says, let us consider one another Think about each other. Put yourself in somebody else's shoes to provoke, stir up, motivate, prompt unto two things, love and two good works. Y'all are wearing these masks this morning because you care about somebody else in this building. If you're like me, you don't like a mask. You probably hate it. In fact, it fogs up my glasses. Uh, I can only see people every other breath. When I'm breathing in, I can see. When I'm breathing out, I can't see. Makes my ears stick out on both sides. There's nothing I like about that mask. But somebody said it might make a difference for somebody else. And so because of that, we're wearing it. I appreciate what, it, what Deanna said on your announcements a while ago about you all have gone above and beyond. Listen, this place 
place is safer than any business you're going to go to in Bowling Green. Y'all have worked harder. Your staff has worked harder to make it that way, and you've done an excellent job. Somebody ought to stand up and say amen, and good job for that, for the extra measures that you all have taken to be that kind of place that folks can come to. They might get sick. They're probably not going to get it right here. Amen? So it's practical, and it's personal, and it's powerful. We're called to stir up two things, love and good works. Now, I don't know about you. Some of you are older than I am, and some are younger. But I don't know of a day in our nation's recent history when we've needed both of those things more than when we need them right now. We need love stirred up, and we need good works stirred up. True encourager stirs up the right activity. Here's the second thing they do. True encourager also shows up at the right places. Look at verse 25. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. True encourager not only stirs up, but they also show up at the right places. Any of y'all ever been to a girls' softball game? Raise your hand if you've been to a girls' softball game. A bunch of you have. My oldest daughter, Kara, when we lived over in Hopkinsville, decided that she wanted to play softball for the girls' high school softball team at Hopkinsville High. She went out for the team. She did the conditioning. She made the team, and so Connie and I showed up at the first game of the season. It was two games. It was the time of year when you start off wearing a T-shirt, you end up wearing a sweatshirt as the sun goes down. We sat on hard concrete benches and watched three hours of girls' softball. We saw every hit ball, every drop ball, every caught ball, every foul ball. We saw every run from every base. We saw every time the umpire bent over between innings and dusted off the, the plate. We saw every time that little boy went back and forth to the concession stand, 14 times. We watched him every time he went back and forth. After three hours of girls softball, I turned to Connie. I said, Connie, I know what to do with the inmates at Guantanamo Bay. We need to bring them to a girls softball game. After three hours, they'll tell every secret about terrorism that they know. I'm not saying it was boring. I'm saying it was torture. It would have been torture if it was boys softball. In fact, I don't want to offend anybody, probably already have, but as far as I'm concerned, it would have been torture if it was baseball. Baseball is the only game in America. You can watch two hours of it and get up and go to the bathroom, and you'll miss every exciting thing that's going to happen. We didn't go to the girls' softball game because we love girls' softball. We went there because we loved one particular girl who was playing softball, and we wanted to encourage her in what she was doing. A true encourager has reached a place in life where they say, it's just not about me. It's about what I can do to help somebody else. It's about living that life of service that recognizes that the greatest among you is the servant of all, and you decide that you're going to strive to make life better for those that you're around. And that means that we don't always get our preferences, right? It means that everything doesn't always go our way. It means we don't always get to go to our favorite restaurant or hear our favorite music. It means that we've made it our ambition to be a servant to other people. True encourager, not only do they stir up the right activity, they also show up at the right places. Now listen, for the last several weeks, we've been locked down on, on worship service, but the time is coming when the church will come back together in the building. Amen? Right now, some of you here, some of you were here earlier, some were out on uh, watching us online or worshiping with us rather than watching us online, but the day's coming where we're all going to need to get back together and say, let's make it a priority to get back in that church. But you know what my hope is for all this, is that some of us who maybe have neglected church attendance a little bit would realize just how important it is to be together with the body of Christ, and we'd make this a real priority in our life and say, I'm not going to let everything else talk me out of church, I'm going to let church talk me out of going to everything else. Amen to that. All in favor say aye. All opposed like sign. Motion carries. Amen. True encourager not only stirs up the right activity and shows up at the right places. Here's the third thing they do. 
They also speak up the right words. Verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, we live in a day where we have to be careful with our words. In fact, we can be offensive when we don't mean to be offensive. We can say things that we think are coming from a good place, good heart, right motivation, and are just not received the way that we thought they were. We speak more probably than we ever have on social media and everywhere else, and if we're not careful, it's easy to be misconstrued. Now, for some of y'all, that's a brand new thing. I'm used to it. I've always said the wrong things in many cases, and I always know the right thing to say about 30 minutes after the conversation is over. Is that true for any of you all? And so I'm kind of used to saying dumb things, and uh, met a fellow several years ago named Jonathan Oway. Jonathan had grown up in Japan. His parents were missionary, uh, missionaries in Japan. He'd grown up in a missionary home, and he was at Southern Seminary about to graduate, and, and I'd gotten to know him. I said, Jonathan, what are you going to do when you get out of school? And he said, I'm going to be a missionary. He said, probably in a third world country, and he said, probably to Muslim people. And I thought, well, that's going to be difficult, and I didn't know what else to say to him. And, and I just said, well, well, bless your heart, you know. And he looked at me, and he said, um, you're not from the South, are you? And I said, well, I'm from Kentucky. What do you mean? He said, well, that phrase, bless your heart, has a special meaning in the South. It means, oh, you poor idiot. <laughs> now, I was trying to encourage Jonathan, but I think I missed the mark on doing it. True encourager, not only do they stir up the right activity, show up at the right places, but they speak up the right words. In fact, the way the author says it here, it says, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus Christ is coming. I think he's coming very soon, possibly. But he's coming. And he wants his people to stay faithful until he comes. He wants you to stay faithful. He wants me to stay faithful. He wants us to figure out what the main thing is and then be about the main thing. Now listen, folks on Fox News or MSNBC or CNN, they're not going to tell us what the main thing is. In fact, probably in our school system, as well-meaning as, as they are, they're probably not going to point us to the main thing. The Word of God tells us what the main thing is. The main thing is that we have a calling to preach the gospel to every creature. We're called to take the good news of Jesus Christ, the story of his death, burial, and resurrection, the one thing that changes the heart of man and that can fix every issue that we deal with, the one thing that sets a person in eternity forever and ever with the Lord. We're called to be about that business. And so we're called to stay at it as until Jesus Christ comes to take us home. But the word here is exhorting one another. That word exhort comes from the Greek word parakaleo, and it literally means to come alongside of somebody else. That somebody might be about to give up, and it might be that your presence and your kind words is enough to keep them going. Someone might feel pretty much defeated about their marriage, about their, about their children, or about their, their life, or about their work, or about their ministry. Ministry. And it might be that your kind word is just enough to stir them back up and to motivate them to help them keep walking with the Lord. In fact, I think sometimes when we hear this word encourage, we think it's kind of a soft word or even a soft practice to be an encourager. Couldn't be further from the truth. The word encourage means to give courage to somebody who is trying to face and get through something that they just can't get through by themselves. And God's called you and I to walk alongside them and to help them. And we can do that. True encourager, stirs up the right activity, shows up the right places, speaks up the right words. Well, who is that? Who does that? Who is that one who is the true encourager? Is it the pastor of a church? Well, you all are searching for a pastor. I pray for you all almost every day, and I have every confidence you're going to call a great pastor for this great church, and I hope he'll be an encourager to you all, but even if he is, he's not going to be the true encourager. 
Well, how about the deacons and the staff? Well, folks have been kind to me. And when Connie was here at the earlier service, they were kind to her and very encouraging. And they ought to be, but they're not the true encourager. Well, how about in the Bible? Can you find the encourager in the Bible? I think Moses had to be an encourager. Moses led Israel 40 years in the wilderness as they walked in circles and ate manna from heaven. The people grumbled and complained, and Moses hung right in there with them. And Moses had to be an encourager, but he's not the true one. Well, then Joshua picked up where Moses left off, and Joshua must have been an encouraging leader. He led Israel across the Jordan River to fight battles against fortified cities. Joshua must have been an encourager, but he's not the true one. I think Ruth had to be an encourager in the Bible. Naomi had become very bitter, and yet Ruth, the mother-in-law whose husband had died, who had left her family, Ruth was an encouragement to Naomi, but she's not the true one. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego encouraged me. Those boys were very likely teenagers when they were challenged to bow down to a 90-foot statue of the king, and they wouldn't do it. Even with the threat of being thrown into a fiery furnace, they said, we're not going to bow down. Our God can save us, but even if he doesn't save us, we're not going to bow down to this, this 90-foot tall statue. That encourages me. Those kind of people put steel in your backbone and make you think you can face things that you otherwise couldn't think, but they're not the true encourager. Daniel had to be an encourager. Daniel, when he was challenged about his spiritual beliefs and practices, was uh, threatened with a, the with a lion's den, and Daniel said, go ahead. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to disobey God. That's an encouragement. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those, who were, those disciples of Jesus were encouragers, but not the true one. I think Peter is encouraging. Peter is my favorite disciple. Sticks, uh, sticks both feet in his mouth and keeps right on talking. You've got to love a guy like Peter, but he's not the true encourager. The apostle Paul was an encourager. Man shipwrecked and beaten nearly half to death and, and left for dead in some cases and went through uh, in prison and all the things he had to deal with, but he's not the true one. In fact, the Apostle Paul said of him, he said, when no one stood with me, this one stood with me and he alone. In fact, when Peter, Peter turned his back on him and Peter didn't come looking for him, but the true encourager came looking for Peter and he said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And he's the encourager. He's the one that said to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He's the one that when Daniel was in the lion's den, somebody said it wasn't the lion's den. They said the, the lions were in Daniel's den because he closed the mouth of the lions. He's the one that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fiery furnace, the king looked in and said, didn't we put three men in the furnace? Then who's this fourth one in there with him? It looks like the son of, my, uh, son of man. He's the one that Ruth said of him, your God will be my God, your people will be my people. He's the one that said to Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's the one that called Moses out of the burning bush and sustained Moses. The true encourager is Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's the one that meets you in your struggles. He's the one that goes to the hospital with you. He's the one in the, in the surgery room. He's the one in divorce court. He's the one that shows up when your kids are having a hard time. He's the one that when you're on your knees calling out to God, that Jesus hears your prayer and Jesus helps you and Jesus ministers to you. Amen? And he's the one we need. He's the one we need. Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, he's more than an encourager. He's a savior. He's a shepherd. He's the one that once you bow your life to him, once you stop running from him, once you stop resisting him, once you acknowledge a rebel heart that says, I've gone the wrong way, I'm going the wrong way, and you finally, in faith, turn to Christ. Call on him. He's the one that will be your shepherd 
all your days. He purchased heaven for us, died for our sins on the cross, was buried, rose again from the grave, and Jesus is alive today. And that's good news, isn't it? If you're a child of God this morning and you're saved, then you can rejoice over who Christ is and his presence in your life and his work in you. All the promises of the Bible are your promises, and you can walk through difficult days with your head held up, with your eyes wide open, and you can say, I'll understand the days, but I know who controls the days, and my confidence is in him and nowhere else. And you can walk with confidence and trust that God's with you. But if you've not yet yielded your life to Christ, whether you're here in this building, whether you're joining us from home. I want to ask you something today. Would you today, right here, right now, would you give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Would you say, I've lived long enough without Christ as sovereign Lord over my life, and I'm finally ready, right here and right now, to repent, to yield myself, and turn to Him and receive Him? I want to say something to you, and I'll close. The first thing I want to say is God loves you. Amen, church? We can say that with confidence. Would you turn to somebody close to you and even through your mask, just say, God loves you. Go ahead and do it right now. God loves you. And that's good news that God loves us. But our problem is that we've all sinned. And our sin separates us from God. Now, we hadn't all done the exact same sins, but we've all sinned. Whether you're a little girl or whether you're an old man, we've all sinned. We've all broken the commands of God. There's a rebel heart in each one of us. There's a fallen nature in each of us. And we're just kind of bent on doing our own thing most of the time. And that makes us sinners. And our sin is like a stain that will not be removed by any good deed that you do or church you join or baptism that you undergo. That's just the truth. But the good news is this, paying the price for sin, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went to the cross in our place. He went there as our substitute. Our sin demands a punishment, but Jesus took the punishment. He took the wrath of God for us, the wrong things we've done. Jesus paid the penalty for it when he was crucified on the cross. He was buried and raised again the third day. And today the invitation goes out from Jesus who said the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. He said repent, turn from your sin, and believe the gospel. Every person who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, Jesus promises us through his word. And then there's this, life begins the moment you trust in Christ. Real life begins when you turn to Jesus. I don't know what your story is, but I can tell you mine in just about a minute. I always thought life was somewhere else. I grew up going to church and wasn't interested in that. Grew up hearing preaching, wasn't interested in that. Grew up watching preachers and knew I wasn't interested in being one of those. And I always thought life was somewhere else. Life is out here. Life is over here. Life happens when this happens. Life happens when I can buy this. Life happens when I own this. Life happens when I have this job. Life happens when I'm in this relationship. It was always something out there. Little did I know that life happens the moment you bow your knees and receive Jesus Christ. That happened for me when I was 24 years old. It was the single best moment of my life. If you've not yet received Christ, would you receive him today, right here and right now? Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for your love and your kindness. Thank you, Lord, for those folks who are in this building that wanted to get out and come here this morning. And those who are joining us from home, thank you for them. They wanted to worship with us during this, during this time while we're together. And those who will join us later, dear Lord, thank you for them as well. Uh, Father God, we, we've heard good news today. And the good news is that you love us, though we've sinned, and that you've made the way for our sins to be forgiven. 
And Father God, I pray you'd speak now as I speak to, to these folks. Heads bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. I'm going to ask you this morning if you'd do something. Those of us who are saved, we know we have a great hope and a great promise, and, and we know Jesus will meet us and help us through anything that we have to go through. So we have much reason to rejoice. But if you're with us today, here or at home, I want to ask you if you'd do something today. I want to ask you if you'd give your heart and life to Jesus right now, right here today. Would you just decide today, I've lived apart from the Lord long enough. I need Christ as my Savior and as my Lord. Listen, you need to be saved. The Bible says that God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible teaches that we will perish without Christ, but with Christ we have the promise of eternal life. Not just length of life, but quality of life. Jesus saves us and gives us brand new life. If you've not yet trusted Christ, would you just call on His name right now? The Bible promises us whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's you. If you'll call on Jesus right here, right now, he'll save you. Preacher, I don't know what to say. Well, listen, there's no magic words that you need to say. You're not saved by words. You're not saved by prayer. You're saved by faith, by trusting in Jesus. But if you need help praying, just pray something like this. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're ready today, just say, I want to give my life to Christ. Then just pray like this. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, just call his name. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry for my sin. Lord, I've gone the wrong way, and I want to change. Right here today, right now, I come to you, Lord Jesus. Please save me. Forgive me of all my sin. And Lord, I give my life to you right here today. Thank you for dying for me on the cross, and thank you for hearing my prayer. It's in your name that I pray. Heads bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask just for a moment. No one's looking around. If you prayed this morning and you meant business, would you ask Jesus and then you ask Christ into your life? Would you just raise your hand just for a second? Nobody's watching you. I'm watching. Would you just raise it up and hold it up just for a minute? Amen. Are there others this morning? Just raise it up and hold it up. If you're right there at home, I just encourage you. Not only raise your hand, but just stand up right where you are. If you're viewing us and watching and worshiping with us, would you just stand up right where you are today and say, I prayed today to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. If you prayed to the Lord and trusted in Him and you meant business, listen, God's promise, He saves you. and He, he promises to give eternal life to any person who will call on Him. But I want to ask you to do something today. We're going to have a song in just a moment to wrap up this service. But when this service is over, would you stick around and let someone from this staff just talk to you? They don't want to put you on the spot. They don't want to embarrass you. They just want to help you get off to the right start in your new relationship with the Lord. I'll finish this prayer. We'll sing this song. But if you pray today to receive Christ, please stick around in this building after the service. If you're joining us online, would you please contact this church? Either put a comment on Facebook or uh, call the church office or send a text if you have someone's cell number and just let us know that today I prayed to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me finish praying and we'll have the song. Father God, thank you for your kindness and goodness. Thank you for this service. Thank you for the gospel. Lord, please move now in the hearts of people. Help us to follow you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.